0: changed my
1: life five four three two one yes Dan Doty yes Thanks. we're live what's up brother how are right, you man good to see you good to see you too man so uh for people who don't know uh I met Dan way back in 2012 doesn't that seems like a long time ago now doesn't it, it? seems
0: like uh at least half of my life which is not even close to why
1: shape, is that but, true no. I mean why does
0: it like five years it was five years ago yeah, four I thought, and a half years ago
1: well that was back when it was October of 2012 I thought there was only two months left in the world because I thought the Mayan calendar was correct and it was oh my god December 21st 2012 was gonna end the world okay <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah so you fucked off and went to Montana to uh <laughs> go on a boat ride with us yeah we took uh yeah. we took a canoe down the Missouri River that was fucking awesome man. wasn't that wild oh, it's one of my favorite trip. trips ever It's cold really cold
0: like not fun cold it was the yeah. kind of cold that
1: it sucked know. but once you got moving it was fine Yeah, you know and uh, I, I learned about Merino Wool <laughs> That yeah. was the important that was an important lesson like the first light merino wool like yeah. that for people who don't know if you're ever in a cold area It's so important that you have a base layer of merino wool because that shit gets wet and you stay warm Even if you sweat in it you stay warm it's and really it doesn't weird. stink
0: half as much as, as the uh, synthetic versions. Yeah
1: at do. all. Yeah. It's weird. Like some people really like synthetics in some weird way like have a, you used them? Or did you know yeah, you have I have this. Yeah. I smell terrible
0: see I actually don't care I, I like them both, but I just you know working with those guys Guys for so long and, and first light i got used to it i like yeah. it. i like it but i used synthetics for 10 years before that and i mean i didn't smell good but i didn't really care a you lot
1: know? of mountaineering people like some synthetics because yeah. they dry quicker yeah but I, I feel like the one of the best benefits of the wool is that when it is wet it still retains your warmth and i don't mind being a little
0: moist well the synthetics will keep you warm too when they're wet just it, it's slightly different value. Like cotton will not, right? right. Cotton but co- won't Cotton will not, but a synthetic like, uh, capoline that Patagonia uses or other things. Th- they also will, they won't, they won't kill you. Um, but yeah, uh, the, the Merino has some other better qualities. I yeah. Think. It's just, yeah. well, the stink thing's huge because I fucking smell terrible. That was a fun trip, man. That was actually the first episode <laughs> of, of that show that I, um, that I fully kind of shot and directed myself. So that, that was kind of a big, uh, stage for me, it was fun. I just basically hung out with Callan in the woods for, for a week.
1: When you have, when you have Callan, when Callan has a, like a captive audience, he's the funniest man alive. I will never forget
0: a few scenes. <laughs> I, I won't share them, but a few scenes from that campfire. Do you uh, remember the Ravine Comer? Oh, I remember? Oh yeah, of course I do. <laughs> I remember him taking a shit literally 10 feet from our campfire, <laughs> no. his ass sticking out. And we put a flag in it. I
1: took pictures of it. I have that shit. <laughs> we put an aluminum flag on it and stuck it in there. I've never touched another man's shit other than his.
0: I tried to set up a hunt for myself last year in the breaks, and it just ended up didn't happening. But uh, it's one of my favorite places. Man. Oh, it's, I mean, it's, it's
1: so lonely out there, but so amazing. That area is so... It's such a perfect place to introduce Calen and I to the yeah. the world of
0: hunting, Because yeah. it's so wild. Well, it's multifaceted too. You have a lot of history there. You have the, yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those areas where it's a complete wilderness experience because you're on the water, right? Yeah. We're not crossing roads. Like we got dropped off at the end of a road and floated to basically the next road down the river. Which yeah, is a big deal.
1: We floated 40 miles down yeah. over the course of, what was it, six days? Is one, are one of these bucks? Yeah, that one that right buck? there. That's oh, yeah. the buck right there. Hey, buddy. Hey, fella. That's a different time. That was in Wisconsin. That was when we were in Wisconsin, that video that you just put up. But um, when we did do that, man, it was uh, that was where Lewis and Clark had made some stops on oh, the yeah. expedition. Yeah. And that's where, that was one of the coolest things about doing it with Rinella, because he knows so much about the history of the United States and the, the settling of the United States, and also the Nez Perce Indian stories that he would tell us. Oh, yeah. He could Holy talk shit. for years. Yeah. And Last that's when times. I heard the story about the, what, the real story, the original story about the Leonardo DiCaprio movie, The Revenant, like what really happened before oh, he told they you turned that it into story. a movie. Okay. Yeah. He told me that story, the actual story about the guy that got left behind and- crawled back many, many miles.
0: What's the guy's name? Do you I don't remember the actual yeah, guy's
1: remember. name. But there's so much they made up in the movie. It's just kind of brutal. Yeah. It
0: was a freaky movie. It was Especially a Especially the grizzly movie. bear attack. It was, yeah. was a real freaky thing.
1: The real grizzly bear attacks, though, man, I, I bet the real grizzly just kind of swatted that dude once, and then just he fell down and then it left him alone. Why do you think that? Because that thing would have torn him to pieces. <laughs> yeah, It was a giant bear, too. <laughs> yeah. I just... Fuck bears, man! They scare the shit out of me. They I wonder really what do. the
0: average length of time of a bear attack like. How long does it last? <sighs> Two seconds? Thirty well, seconds? Well, the
1: um, that movie Grizzly Man. Apparently, the audio of him getting killed by the bear is like seven minutes long.
0: I listened to that. It was terrible.
1: No, it's not real. The one you listen to online is not real. Oh no, shit! It's fake. Yeah, yeah. The actual no. audio was never released. My
0: life is a lie.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, somebody sent it to me too, but then I looked into it and. Um, Werner Herzog and the woman who owns the actual audio, they got rid of it. They, they destroyed it. they never listened to it. and Werner Herzog actually told her to destroy it in the documentary. Hmm. So the one when you hear it online it's just fake. and then uh, once you know it's sucks. fake and you listen to it, you go, "Oh, this shit's fake. you like you can hear it." All right. You want to hear not, it? I'm
0: not going to listen to it again. You listen, I mean, sure, yeah. You can listen I don't to really it. want to. See if
1: you can play, play, you <clears throat> find it. Grizzly Man Audio. You hear it and you go, oh, yeah, this isn't real. That's one of my top
0: five movies of all time, though. It's a great movie. It's an incredible
1: movie. It's one of the funniest movies ever as far as yeah. unintentional comedy. Oh, my God. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> when the, was it the sheriff? The sheriff goes, well, I thought he was retarded. <laughs> <laughs> Here. So here, you hear like screams and shit. Here. All oh, the fox. Audio bear attack. Oh. Why is it echoing? Hear the echo? Yeah. That's That was done in a room. All these, these voices. What these it's supposed m- to be. it's supposed and to be in the woods. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's not really- these, that audio is unquestionably done in a room somewhere. Uh. See how it's resonating. Yeah, no, totally of course. See now you know. Those motherfuckers,
0: they got us. Do you think they benefited from creating that?
1: (sighs) Probably. Yeah. Like Some money? Yeah, somebody probably put up some YouTube ads and made some cash. Alright. It's entirely possible. Or they just did it for fun. It sounded like people were having a good time. Like as the guy's (laughs) yelling, it sounds like you can almost kinda like hear in his yells like holy shit, someone's gonna believe this. This is so ridiculous. Yeah. But
0: it supposedly lasted seven minutes. Because well, the bear what, what, what just was there, started wh- eating them. Wait, wh- so what's that? Where's that stat? That's not from like the real no, audio. The actual, last, audio. The actual audio yeah. seven minutes. Because on. the bear's okay. not trying to kill them. Yeah. It's just eating them.
1: Because yeah. bears apparently, well, I've seen bears kill moose in videos, and they just start eating them. They don't kill them right first. away. Yeah. I know wolves them do down. too.
0: Wolves do too. They just eat right away. They start right at the back end and start just start
1: eating on. you. Yeah. They don't. They don't bother. They don't have the decency. Like <laughs> at least a mountain lion kills you. You know, cats kill yeah. you.
0: Bears and wolves, they just eat you. <sighs> yeah, I guess they just don't need to. They don't yeah. need to incapacitate you. I mean, Why? You're there. Well, I, there. I think
1: it's also a thing with omnivores. Omnivores. I think don't have that instinct to instantly kill.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah, but that Could doesn't make that. sense, though. My theory sucks because of wolves. Because wolves, yeah, you're wolves right. Are wolves are carnivores. Break that.
0: Yeah, so maybe it's uh, interesting. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they they do that because they have to, right? Like that's how they they take they take down a running animal. Is yeah. how a wolf kills. They snap at the legs, right? Yeah, and then they just—it's uh, the easiest, softest part of the animal. Yeah. And you just start eating on the back end.
1: Oh, I was yeah. listening to a podcast today about wolves in Idaho where they were talking about how when you go deep into the backcountry where people can't get to or where mm-hmm. it's very difficult, really rocky terrain. The wolves are just running rampant out there. They just have so many wolves there. You ever mm-hmm. seen one in the wild? No. should put that on your list. I actually did see one in Alberta, uh-huh. I think. But it was at twilight and it was... Dog-sized, and it ran across the road, and it was a little too big to be a coyote. Sure, in my mind, but I thought I saw a wolf for like two seconds, and it was a squirrel.
0: So take that with a grain of thought. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a couple. The the most memorable we were we were in a, a valley in Alaska, and it was dusk, and uh, you know just two massive mountain ranges on each side, and uh, I don't know might have been Giannis. Somebody yelled, and somebody spotted one across the river, and we went and looked at it, and it was. It was, man, my my memory is failing. It was either pure white. I think it was pure white. And it just, I swear to God, it shone. I, I, it just, like, emanated light. And it was the most, like, regal, beautiful, just, like, perfect, perfect. And it just sort of trotted along the river and disappeared back in the woods. And They're amazing animals. Ah, no, it's incredible. I was thinking about this morning uh, on a hike here. I was looking for mountain lion tracks. But, you know, the sign at the trailhead says, Gives you warning about mountain lions. They're out here for sure. Yeah, Yeah. I never really um, I Don't know the only thing that ever gives me pause in the woods is is a grizzly because you know Steve and I we got charged that once and ever since that happened my uh, bear radar is More intense.
1: It's just such a freaky animal Yeah, when you see what a grizzly really is essentially a thousand pound giant wild dog Have you seen those in the wild yourself yet? Grizzly? Yeah. No, never seen a grizzly. Not in the wild. I've seen them, you know, live in a sanctuary and I've seen a lot of, oh no, I did see a grizzly. I saw a small grizzly in Alberta uh, last year. Yeah. But it wasn't that big. It was like maybe six and a half, seven feet. From a a stand? Were you pretty close? Yeah, Mm -hmm. it was very close. It was like 30 or 40 yards from us. Yeah. Yeah. But it took off pretty quick, but it wasn't. A grizzly. Like they had some trail cam photos of like fucking tankers. Mm-hmm. They were goddamn VW buses. This was like a
0: juvenile. So it's was probably,
1: like I said, probably like six and a half feet or something like that. Which so is- where,
0: where I live in Bozeman, so it's literally a line right where we are. So south of us is the Gallatin Range and the Madison Range, just full, full of grizzlies. Yeah. But just north of town, there's the Bridger Range and a couple other ranges too. And <clears throat> for whatever reason, that is an impasse to the population of bears, why is more that? or less? do they have any idea I, I mean it might be um just physicality it might be actually you know Steve rennell would be the one that i 've heard him talk about this. He would know exactly, but it's either a physical impasse or it's it's the human uh, the proximity to humans of the of the town and all this. But the way that it relates is that you know if I'm going to go hiking with my little baby boy, I choose to go north, right? Of, just just because you know yeah. I, I don't think I would have always thought that way, and, and I carry bear spray usually. You and I carry don't, a pistol? I don't. I probably will in the future. Just you know because that, that guy he was from Bozeman that got attacked last yeah. year. Yeah, He
1: got tore up, man. That was horrific. Oh, yeah. With his, his scalp is hanging off his head while he's making the video. It was a gnarly and video. And he wasn't hunting. He was just yeah. hiking. He was scouting. And um, he used bear spray, and it didn't work. It was a sow with
0: her cubs. Yeah. And so that's about, I don't know, 50 miles from where I live is where he got hit. Yeah. 60 miles, something like that's that. so close. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah, nothing to mess around with, man. I think it's
1: awesome that they they exist. I really, I think it's so cool that they exist. I don't want them to not exist, but at the same time, I don't want to be near them. Yeah, you know, I don't want to encounter them. So it's it's so. uh, See, I I, I, yeah,
0: yeah, I'm I'm more sensitive to them now. I really have a deep, deep uh, love for them. Sharks, on the other hand, we could just. Kill them. Yeah. Man. Kills, I just fucking don't thing. Care,
1: man. What's weird people are getting like really touchy feely about sharks because they hear all about these sharks getting slaughtered for shark fin soup. Oh, so, really? like, yeah. The governor, I think, of New York caught a shark um, fishing, totally legal and not an endangered fish at all. Hmm. And he got so much hate because people who, it's like we were talking before about science. That so many people want to argue things online, but they don't want to actually like look into like what are the studies that have been done, yeah. how much do people actually know? What is the uh, no, people want to have an opinion. They have this like narrow window of information and then you know, I'm just gonna run with my opinion and say, Fuck you for killing that shark. Oh yeah. You know, but, but people, f- I don't think p-
0: people have time necessarily to go investigate everything they have an opinion about. No. You know, no, which is don't. an issue.
1: No, but they do have time to tweet about it. <laughs> get up. mad at the Absolutely. governor. Was it the governor yeah. or was it the mayor of New York? That that got in trouble for the shark. Well, he didn't get in trouble because what he did was totally legal, and they cooked it. And mako shark is delicious. Oh, it tastes shark like some of the best I've ever
0: had. Yeah, yeah. In, in Puerto Rico, they serve they serve shark everywhere. Like you go to a, a food stand, they fry shark, put it on a stick. It's it's a it's fish. Delicious. I mean,
1: it's an ocean. It's yeah. an ocean. Out there it is. New York governor sparks anger after killing threatened shark, but it's not threatened. That's not true. Why does it say threatened shark? That's not a threatened animal thresher shark? Yeah, I don't I don't think that. But it said threatened, right? It said th- thresher. Did it say in the the headline? Yeah, yeah. Oh, threatened. Oh yeah. It said threatened. I don't think that's true. <clears throat> I do not think that's a threatened animal. I'd
0: have to look at it. I have All
1: no three species of thresher shark is listed as vulnerable by the International Union for Conservation of Nature because of their declining populations. Fishing for them is regulated in the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, but it is not illegal. Oh, okay. Despite its legality, UN patrons of the ocean, Louis Prug, said the killing and subsequent photos were abhorrent. Oh, well, it might be a twat. And <laughs> worked against those trying to conserve dwindling shark numbers. Um. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe he's right. I know that some of them are not. I don't know, man. I mean, you you can't really control what kind of fish you catch when you go fishing, and if you catch a fish that's legal, I don't know what yeah. do you do. The problem with catch and release. This is a dirty secret, ladies and gentlemen, because people do go catch and release fishing, and I've released fish before. A lot of them die. It's it's kind of weird. Like oh uh, go, yeah, I don't,
0: is is that a secret still? You think? I mean, that's for some folks. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah, not sure. for you. Sure.
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, think about it. I mean, it'd be like t- taking <laughs> you and I and dunking us underwater for five minutes and putting us back. Yeah, or even you know? worse,
1: shoving a fucking barb through your face. Oh yeah, and then drowning yeah. us. Yeah, because mo- that's what
0: we're doing to them. We're literally yeah drowning them.
1: Literally. literally. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, some people use barbless hooks, which are better. Mm-hmm. And the inside <laughs> of a mouth of a fish is very different than our mouth. So like I you, mean,
0: there's pra- right there's best practices to, yeah. to, to harm the fish as little as possible, and I think you know that has fly fishing, effect.
1: sure, yeah, fly fishing with sure. barbless hooks, yeah, you can most likely you can most of them are going to be fine, yeah, but a lot of them are not. It's a weird practice. I
0: just don't, I don't. To putting them back. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just yeah. I'm I'm not a I'm not a catch and release fish, fisherman. I'm not even a huge fisherman. I love to eat it. I love to go to Alaska. Catch a buttload of fish, come home and eat it for the rest of the year. I need to go halibut
1: fishing. Yes, you do. You haven't done that yet. No, yeah. no. I love yeah. halibut. I've gone fluke fishing. I've caught flounder before, which are little baby halibuts, but and yeah. they're delicious. But halibut is supposed to be like one of the most delicious
0: fish to catch and then cook like right away. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, I, it's um, it's one of those real fleshy white fish, kind of like grouper. You know, grouper. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, like chunks of halibut deep fried, like like well-coated and deep fried. It, it, the, the thing about halibut, if you overcook it, though, it's like chewing on a sock. It just right. gets tough real fast. And maybe that's true of, of other white flesh fish like that, too. But, no, it's delicious. It's not the most exciting to catch. Well, they're giant doors. It's yeah, It's like exactly. you a door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're just, like, <laughs>
1: holding up this heavy-ass They're so alien-looking, too, with two yeah. eyes on one side of their head, and they
0: flatten out at the bottom of the ocean. You know that their eye migrates, right? Really? They start swimming up and down, eyes on each side, and then <clears throat> start. A p- part of their uh, maturation process is they flip over. Well, as uh, they're getting older? Yeah, as they're getting older, and their eye literally slides onto the other side oh so but yeah. it
1: stays there once it's
0: What's, on the it stays, other side yeah it's, it's not like <laughs> it can't go back and forth but yeah it stays Whoa, there
1: on that side how fucking weird they're so weird looking it looks wrong yeah when you see two eyes on one side of their head their body's flattened out and but it's full of so much good meat oh, oh yeah oh
0: man it's like as heavy like my aunt and uncle live on kodiak island we've been going up there since i was a kid and i mean it's you know it's that's as much meat as a deer right yeah. you catch a 200 pound halibut which isn't the most common they can be way bigger than that too you're supposed to release the really big ones though right don't they say that i don't know maybe yeah i'm not
1: sure (laughs) a friend of mine caught one and it was apparently enormous and he was furious because the guide they went fishing with the guide the guide cut the line 'Cause oh, it was wow. so big. Do you think he just couldn't get it in the boat? No, no, no. He no. said, Look, we gotta let this go because it's a big breeder. Oh. And that these these big ones are responsible for keeping the populations healthy and because this yeah. guy made a living off of fishing, he's like, It's our responsibility to cut this loose and the guy was like, What are you talking about? He's like, this is like, he didn't know that that was going to be an option. Yeah. And so he's pulling up this thing where, you know, he described it as like the side of a wall. Oh, yeah. It's like the wall of a room. It's like, it's
0: fucking huge. I don't know if it's true with Hal, but but I know other. Fish, you know, sometimes the big ones don't eat that well. Like that's they're just not true, as good. To eat. Right. So it may, might not have been. It's not like he's gonna get that mounted. I doubt. Right. <laughs> like a 400 pound. They
1: say that's true that. with deer too. Like I've never eaten a really old deer, but they say old deer just do not taste that good. It can
0: be. It. I know. I know they they can be worse for Didn't sure. Didn't you
1: shoot an old doe? That was Mo. Was Mo. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 And he said it was rough. He I've never chew had through it over a winter.
0: <laughs> my, my little brother shot me a deer and gave it to me for Christmas. And it was the first slightly off-tasting animal that I've tasted in, man, seven years. You know, and I've been eating a lot of animals, you know, over my course of time. Um, you know, we're talking about meteor, which I worked on for a long time. I don't anymore, but uh, I ate a lot of animals, and they all tasted exceptionally good. And my brother shot this one, and um, I don't know what it was. It was cold. He, he killed it, um, and it got dark, and he had to track it in early the next morning. And it, um, did he gut got shot him. it? No, no, he hit it well. It, 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 it died fairly close. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was pretty gnarly. And I even mm. made, I made sausage out of it and tried to eat that. And that was hard to get down. Really? We have wow. a couple, we have a couple pounds of it left still. It just wasn't good. Hmm. But
1: That's weird. Well, maybe yeah. it was a tarsal glands or something.
0: Like, was it in the rut? No, it was muzzleloader season in, in December in Minnesota. Hmm. And, uh just a weird deer i don't know what it was i really don't
1: yeah well you hear stories you know i'll tell you what man that was one of the things that really got me into hunting not with just the how cool that trip was and how amazing it was and how bizarre it is to be out there in total silence no cell phone signal you don't hear not what do we see like maybe three people the whole week we were out there
0: yeah two boats maybe i don't even remember seeing them I I remember we we
1: saw a dude's tent and he had like a little uh, wood stove and I was like Steve we got a (laughs) stove what the fuck is this this guy's got a stove inside of his tent because he he used to stay warm in his tent we were freezing our dicks off and then we saw another guy who uh, had a deer in his boat he had shot up oh yeah remember that guy yeah
0: that was a memorable meal man yeah that That was gonna gonna say the food was
1: so good once we did shoot that deer and we ate it that night I was like good lord it's still it's the best meat ever and plus there's so much connected to it. Yeah. you know It's not yeah. just that it's like you went to a restaurant. You had a delicious meal It's like no you like you busted your ass for five days humping over mountains yeah. Finally put a stalk on a deer shot the deer killed it dragged it back to camp cut it up Butchered it and then we ate it and like and then when Steve took that doe head and buried it underground mm-hmm. because yeah. uh, what is that Guthrie book uh, big sky
0: yeah, right. It was in Just the book. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think that's the name of it I think that's the name of the book. Okay, right that sounds right and um, in that book he talks about Cooking a deer head under the ground. So in Steve wanted sack. to try it. Yeah, we soaked a burlap oh, sack God. in the river. It was incredible no, It was really good. It was incredible. Yeah. It was like some sort of exotic smoked pork or something like that.
0: Yeah
1: Bizarre. Yeah, Yeah. we ate everything man. We ate the liver. We ate the heart. We we ate it all. It was amazing. Do you still have a freezer full of meat right now? Or are you? I shot an way? elk, nice, in October. So yeah, and I, I had shot a deer in November, but I ate that deer pretty quick.
0: Yeah, I had a dud of a season last year, and Did so you? this year, for the first time in a long time, I've been eating more, you know, local pork and beef, and I'm just so sick of it, man. I can't just wait. I can't saying. wait until this fall again. And no, when are you going back home? Back home from here? Yeah. I'm going home um,
1: a week from, two weeks from yesterday. I have two commercial freezers in the back. I could hook you up. Yeah? Yeah. I won't turn it I down. You, I don't know how I'm, you I'm get it back to man. you. How could you get it back?
0: Um, Let me think about it. I can, okay. I can go buy a cooler or something. Go we'll buy figure, a small Yeti or something. Figure something out. Yeah. We'll get you something. I yeah. have one of those Yeti hoppers at home. I could give you that. That makes me really proud that, like... You know, I was there the first time you hunted. Now you're going to hook me up with meat. Hell yeah, man. That's (laughs) awesome. That's good stuff.
1: I live off it now. I don't buy meat anymore unless I go to a restaurant. It's very rare that I go to a store, like a butcher shop, and buy meat unless there's something I'm preparing. It's just not
0: as good. It's just actually not as good. Beef or I I find that it's...
1: It's different. It tastes like a soft, lazy animal. It's weird. Like when you eat a steak, like from a butcher shop, I mean, they taste good. They still taste good. But it tastes like like this soft, almost sick thing. Like there's a difference between grass-fed beef. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I noticed like way back in the day when I first started uh, learning about grass-fed beef. I'm like, well, what is the difference? And people explain to you, oh, there's a difference in the fatty acids. And what's what's healthier about it is these animals are not supposed to be eating grain. And when they yeah. eat grain, it's bad for their body. And that's why they're so fat. And the marbling is actually them being incredibly unhealthy. I'm like, huh. Okay, so I'm going to try some grass-fed meat. It was so expensive, and Mm -hmm. then it was a small, like, they're smaller, like, the steaks are small, and it's a darker meat. I'm like, hmm. And then I remember eating it, thinking, wow, this tastes really different. Yeah. It does. Like, a grass-fed steak tastes different than a grain-fed steak. They look different when you lay them out side by side. Oh, yeah. But then you take those, and then you put an elk steak next to it, and you go, okay. (laughs) That's the real meat, man. Yeah. That's what you're supposed to be eating. You're supposed to be eating that deep, dark, red meat that you, you eat it and you just wanna run through a fucking wall. Oh, yeah. It's like it's got energy in it. Like it, it, fe- it makes
0: your body feel different when you eat it. So what is what do you think that is? What is, is that, is that a, a psychological thing? Do you think that it's actually biological in the meat? It is better, there's something in there more for you? How do you, how do you make sense of that for yourself? I have a, a
1: terrible unscientific theory. My unscientific (laughs) theory is things that run fast are better for you. That's why fish is really good for you because it's hard to catch and they 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 swim fast. Deer are great; they run fast. Rabbits are great; they run fast. Cows just sort of wander around. Yeah. You know, they're just meandering and slow. I like your
0: theory, but it makes sense that we have more cows because I guess it's just all right there. Corral
1: those bitches. (laughs) Well, you know, um, my buddy Adam lives in uh, Australia, Adam Greentree. And in Australia, they have wild cows where cows at one time were domestic, but they broke loose. And they've been for many, many, many generations living wild. And they're extremely dangerous. Yeah. Especially the bulls. Like, when you watch cowboys riding bulls, and you're like, wow, this is crazy. Look at that guy that's riding an a bull. That's an animal. Yeah, that's a it's fucking a big, uh, yeah. big, scary yeah. animal. But, again, a domestic animal that is not fighting off predators. It's not, I mean, it's just, it doesn't want you to fuck with it. It's got these giant watermelon testicles, and they're just full of piss and vinegar. And that we don't eat those. For people who don't know, when you buy meat from a cow. You're buying meat from a steer. And what a steer is, is a bull. They cut his balls off mm-hmm. when he's young. So his testosterone stops. So his body's mushy and soft. Yeah. But these bulls that Adam sees out in the the bush in Australia are super aggressive and very dangerous. And one of his friends was torn apart by one, gored. Like really Killed. badly. No, they lived, oh, he lived. But they had a med vacuum to safety. It tore his guts open and uh, you know, he was. I don't even think he was hunting it. I think like he was just in the wrong place, the wrong time. They see you and they just fucking charge. Yeah, I mean, it's the reason why they have those goddamn giant horns.
0: Yeah, what's the saying that uh, you cut you cut an, a, a male animal's balls off and they s- stop thinking about ass and starts thinking about grass? Right. So I mean, it's it's literal. You yeah, know? they stop trying to get laid and they just eat. They just keep so eating. Yeah, and they just the lack of testosterone
1: makes them soft and mushy, whereas um, Cam Haynes shot. A water buffalo in Australia, and he said that he had one piece of meat in his mouth for half an hour, <laughs> trying to chew it down <laughs> while he was practicing
0: archery. He goes, "I'm not exaggerating. Chewed one piece of meat for a whole half hour. Just yeah. chew, chew." What's it say about us, though, or as as humans, though? I mean, you could easily make a analogy there between cows and, yeah. uh, and a wild animal and us. I mean, nobody's more domesticated than us. No Like, one. these things we domesticate, I think we are, you know, we're the domesticator somehow, but I think we're even more domesticators. So right. Like,
1: we're... like, if you could eat one of the Duck Dynasty guys, like, <laughs> oh, man, they would cook up good. They'd be so What's soft that more,
0: and oh, oh, the, mushy and,
1: <laughs> you know, there would be so much flavoring and marbling. Plus, they probably eat a lot of sugar, so there's probably, like, a lot of, like, sweetness to the meat. Yeah. I'm not advocating. This, well, it dep-
0: depends what your tooth is though. If you're used, used to eating wild animals and you ate one of the duck dynasty guys, it would taste like shit.
1: That's true. Right. That's true. But if you eat McDonald's and ring dings, <laughs> what's you a ring, know, like what's a ring ding? Like one of those little hostess Take. things, <laughs> those little chocolate covered, cream filled jammies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I might have to get one of those. I haven't had one of those.
1: They're That's disgusting. They look great. You're like, oh, I'm gonna enjoy
0: this. <laughs> and then as soon as you eat it, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me, man? Yeah. Um, I love just, I had some tacos. I got to town last night and uh, had to go to the first taqueria I saw. It was the best.
1: We night. have legit Mexican food in L.A. The Montana does not
0: have Mexican no,
1: food. Not really, They're right? Not, no. not such good Mexican food, but Colorado has some really good Mexican food. It does.
0: It does, yeah. It The it, uh, the line of that, I think, stops at Colorado. Maybe Wyoming, I don't think, has it, but north into Montana, you're, you're in dead zone. Well,
1: Where you so, are is amazing, though. It's worth it. You could take a trip for Mexican food because where yeah. you are, it's like, I feel like, I mean, I, sh- I, f- I almost feel like I shouldn't say this on the podcast because I don't want anybody moving to Bozeman. It's already it's so on perfect. all
0: of the list. It's everybody. I mean, it's yeah. the cat's out of the bag. It's not. A, yeah. <laughs> you're, know. not you're, you're not spilling the beans here. I know.
1: But yeah. I mean, it really is a special place. It's the people are so nice.
0: Yeah. They're not dumb either it's not like uneducated no 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 it's actually that county has the highest uh, percentage of phds in america what bozeman really yeah look it up fact wow yeah it's a highly educated population
1: but it's also not like boulder where they're like oh my god save the butterfly you know they're more rational
0: about their approach to nature it's balanced yeah you can find some you know, you can find good yoga, you can find your woo woo stuff, but there's also a rancher right next to you. It's really interestingly like diverse, ne- neutral. Yeah. It is yeah, it is diverse some ways, not
1: that, with no
0: mostly white. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> you know, it's not diverse of, that mo- way. Moving there from New York and, and yeah. uh that is my least favorite thing about about Montana. Generally. Yeah, it's, it's not just, a whole lot of flavor. No, <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> but there's so many good things about it and the the landscape, like what you get to see when you're there it's just stunning
0: man. and the access to the land is is the huge it's a huge yeah. thing too i mean i'm in bozeman for my house in i don't know how many in five, four different directions three different directions you can be at a trail in 15 minutes yeah. and it's just it's just endless you know you can get on a trail right side of, outside man i can't talk <laughs> right outside of bozeman and you can go if you wanted to for days through the yellowstone ecosystem south yeah. and just keep going and keep going and keep going i mean it it connects you to I mean real big wilderness the kind yeah. the kind that you can I mean in Alaska you find it even bigger but I think in the lower 48 um yeah it's unparalleled man yeah it's, in it's, the it's lower
1: 48 is about yeah. it's about as wild as it gets and that leads me to what I want to bring up to you today because I saw this today where Trump is his his challenging some of the protection of certain national monuments and some public lands today was something that came out like I told you, fuckers! I knew this was coming. There were so many people that were telling me that mm-hmm. Trump is going to protect our public lands because his son is a hunter. And like, listen, man, that guy worships money. Yeah, there, there's money to be made in delisting these public. Look at this: Trump order could roll back public land protections from three presidents.
0: This is. He's going to have a shitstorm on his hands,
2: though, man. Play, play this I mean, so we could hear exactly what he says. Of America's natural resources. And I can tell you, the group that's in here right now, they're really doing the job. Right, Lisa? They're doing a good job? Uh, We're going to take care of Alaska, too. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And they protect the ability of the people to access and utilize the land, which truly belongs to them and belongs to all of us. Secretary Ryan Zinke is doing an incredible job. And he never overlooks the details. He's a detailed person. Soon after he day? was confirmed, we had a snowstorm, big one. And he was out there on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial, shoveling the snow all by himself. And he's a strong guy. He did a good job. What the fuck he am did, I listening to? He did a very, yeah. very good job. But he's we're so proud weird. of him. In the first 100 days, we've taken historic action to eliminate wasteful regulations. They're being eliminated like nobody's ever seen before. There's never been anything like it. Sometimes I look at some of the things I'm signing, I say, maybe people won't like it, but I'm doing the right thing. What the hell? This is so weird that that's a president, At like
1: the way he communicates.
0: Did you see when he, he just pinned a Purple Heart? Jesus <laughs> he just pinned a purple heart on on a returned vet. I guy lost his leg. It just happened the last couple of days. It's the most mm. awkward and the weirdest it is the weirdest single thing I've ever watched on a screen his his body language and his um uh, what he does it's bizarre' He's an so odd it's, guy. it's really bizarre. Man. what does
1: it say there in terms of like what the uh, actual rollbacks mean and what the the issue is? Here, Let's go large in order, order which Trump signed the interior department could lead to the reshaping of 24 national monuments including the Grand Canyon Parishant National Monument Grand Staircase Escalante National Monument and the Basin Range National Monument as well as a host of Pacific Ocean Monuments including the World War II Valor in the Pacific National Monument Though Interior Secretary Ryan Zinke cast the move as a way to include local voices in the decision to designate monuments, the review of the Antiquities Act, which was first signed by President Teddy Roosevelt in 1906, stands in stark relief to years of bipartisan work at conserving lands. Wow. The move comes after Western Republican lawmakers, including Utah Senator Orrin Hatch, complained that Obama overused the law. To overprotect land, how the fuck do you overprotect land? You kind of protect it, but don't overprotect it, bro. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's just weird. Committed I, th- I think the worry back. is
0: the worry is going to be that this would be the beginning of a of a larger pattern. Yeah, it's right? a slippery slope. Yeah, yeah. Well, I what I wanted to I
1: mean, what you know about, and what I think most people don't when you talk about this, the, the vast majority of the people in this country live in these uh, communities and cities and towns, and you know. Even small towns, they they don't understand how much of this land that we live in is just this incredible, yeah. bizarre uh, experiment in like the people having the, the, the actual American people owning mm. this incredible swath of public land. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's wild, like, what you're talking about. Like, you can walk for days and days into that stuff.
0: Yeah, I think they don't know that it exists, necessarily. And I think even, to me, more importantly, they don't understand the impact that that actually has on people and what it actually means to be able to be part of something like that. It's, it's a really deep, important thing, and I think that people just... You know, you get your postcard, uh, tourists, and, and you say, Oh, I love the National Forest, I love the National Parks, and let's drive around and take pictures... And that's great. That's fine. There's a big industry there. It's very helpful to the economy, and uh, but there's something way deeper too that yeah. that brings a lot of people. Um, and I would even say culturally something really deep there that we shouldn't be fucking with. No, we just shouldn't be messing with it.
1: Well, it's know? been there for a hundred years, a hundred and ten years. It's you know Teddy the Roosevelt. The conservation part yeah. of it, yeah, absolutely. Of course, but right? the land
0: itself has been there way longer and right. that's you know sort of like the deep time part of that is what really interests me is because you know you step out into that in the right context and, and you're all of a sudden you know you're uh, you're playing with something way bigger and more powerful and more impactful by just being part of a landscape that's yeah you know but you're right yeah the the conservation thing is is present and real and uh the i grew up in minnesota north dakota and my my first wilderness trip was in the Boundary Waters of northern Minnesota. It's this million-acre million-acre wilderness of lakes that are interconnected by trails. And you can go out for weeks at a time and canoe across a lake and then carry your boat to the next lake, and there's campsites, and it's just it's paradise. It's where I fell in love with the idea of wilderness. Uh, it's actually where I fell in love with my first, the first lady. I fell in love with at the same time. I, mean, I was on a church trip. Oh, no. Yeah. and uh, But... You know, so what i you know what I'm saying as far as it's shaping people and its importance. I mean that first trip into the wilderness changed my life like and that's a that's a pretty mild way of saying it 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 shaped who I am all the way.
1: Well, that gets us to what you're doing now because you you stopped working for zero point zero, and we talked about on the last podcast that you had done a lot of these wilderness therapy trips, yeah, where you take like troubled kids. They've lost their way and their parents don't know what the fuck to do yeah. And you would take them out into the woods and live with these kids for months.
0: Yeah for yeah. a long time <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Which is crazy yeah. to
1: think about like that but makes sense Like just the five days that I was out there or six days or whatever when I first went to Montana with you guys Changed the way I thought about wilderness because mm. I really had never been I mean I'd kind of been to like Wooded areas right you know yeah. what I'm saying, but I, I maybe mean, I went to Yellowstone when I was a kid, but I didn't really remember it. It's a different thing, man. Totally. And then we went to
0: Alaska, right? And that was to to me, that's another level of. I should have listened we to you had. on that trip. You were like, "Fuck that place. We shouldn't go to that place." <laughs> sure, it was uncomfortable,
1: but um, I'm glad we went though. Well, now, yeah,
0: in retrospect, right? I mean, and I'm glad you went just because of the level of uh, how deep out we are. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, the the, the Missouri breaks in Montana. You're out there. But in in this spot in on, in Southeast Alaska, we were really out there. Yeah. you can feel it in the air. Like, I thought about it once when I fell.
1: Yeah. I fell off of this like six foot drop. I slipped and just and luckily I just landed yeah. good. But I was like, man, you could fuck yourself up up here. Yeah. and not be able to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Like especially if you do a solo trip.
0: Oh yeah, man. no bueno. No totally. Yeah, yeah. I'm addicted to that that feeling. Yeah, that sort of immense. It takes you over. You are so tiny. You are not, you know, you're not in charge anymore. It doesn't care about you.
1: No. That's the thing. Like, the thing about, like, Prince of Wales is this solitude, this sadness that's beautiful. It's really weird. It's a weird feeling that you get where you just like it. There's no denying your lack of significance in this particular environment. It doesn't give a fuck about your credit cards. <laughs> no. It doesn't care about your no. cell phone. It doesn't care who you know or where you live or what kind of car you It doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. It's just tooth and fang and claw and rain and constant rain yeah. and beauty. Just unbelievable beauty. Like the like when that the sun does a roller come out. coaster.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. I mean you're just in hell and all, all of a sudden you're on the top of a ridge and, and the and the and the sun peeks out and a rainbow pops up and the, like the technicolor hyper vivid, just like crazy green. Yeah. It's uh it's, you know what's a <clears throat> sorry about that, I have cold. Um uh, that place has a personality. Yeah. Right. But being in wilderness, I've been in wilderness spots all over the globe. It's what's so fascinating to me is how they all have a different vibe. They all have a different like life and and it it is it's it's like uh I mean sure it looks different but there's a like a felt sense or a feeling you get from place. Like the Brooks Range in Alaska is the the northernmost range of mountains and it runs east and west and then above it is the arctic um the arctic plain and then the arctic ocean. There is something about being up there and especially I think in the summer when when the sun doesn't really go down. It is, it is, it feels like being on a different planet, but oh man, I don't know if I have the words to describe it, but yeah, man, I mean, uh, and that's what I said I'm addicted to. I'm, I am, and I, you know, I moved to Montana for professional reasons, but then also because it's where I wanted to live. And so I get out hiking all the time, you know, I train, I hike with that's kind of how I stay fit. Um, but I come, I need to figure this out because I come home. From that feeling, like I just like got started, you know. I miss the deep immersion Mm. of the woods, like working when you were working for Meat Eater and constantly on those trips. Or yeah, any time that I spent over, I think there's something that happens after. You know, depends on how long. Like the longest I've stayed out at a time is uh, forty some days. Um, But there's something that happens. I don't know, a day, two days, three days, five days in, where you really just kind of let go of the regular. You know I, I don't know I, th- I think it's actually physiological, some of it, but whatever, it could be just psychological too. But something shifts, you know, when you do a real expedition, when you do a real thing, where you're not your brain's not half stuck back in all the other stuff. and mm. uh, So yeah, I go hiking and I love it you know all the time and we get out in the woods, but it just doesn't really do it for me. I, f- I feel kind of unfulfilled. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah.
1: so you you just got so addicted to being out there completely disconnected that you when you go on the hike you know you could always just make it back to town a couple hours
0: oh yeah it's just like a little i'm trying to think of like an, an analogy but it would be like a, a little taste yeah it would be like maybe um like a five minute porn session versus a week long like love making <laughs> session that of your dreams right just like a little uh yeah a little teaser just not as fun do you do you plan on staying there is that you... i think so yeah i mean we think about we definitely won't move back east. We would either move somewhere out here or stay there. It gets cold as fuck in the winter, though, right? It does. Yeah, not, not that cold actually. No, like not compared to where I grew up in Minnesota. It gets really cold for a long time. Yeah, and Montana where we're at used to do that, but um, global warming something yeah something it's different this year was pretty mild the year before was really really mild you know like 35 average temperature really that's it yeah Yeah. it's not that bad oh i thought it was like 35 below no you go northern montana uh, up in the highline area it'll start to you know more of a deep freeze a lot more wind bozeman's kind of a nice little protected we should stop talking about bozeman so people you're you're (laughs) telling you we're gonna get people into it it's um well, just another fact on that, it is the I think the third fastest growing county in the in the states right now. Wow! So,
1: well, it makes sense. When I was there, we, we went there, we took the family there last summer. I was like, this place is magic.
0: So pretty. I got a couple other spots, though, that I'm saving. Oh, yeah? Don't tell anybody. No, I'm not going to.
1: When you were in the Brooks Range, did you put uh, like uh, masks on to go to sleep? Those, you know, those sleeping masks? They say that's the A t shirt. Yeah, I just use a t shirt. Just cover your eyes. Yeah. Yeah, they say you have to because if you just try to like sleep, you'll wake up a couple hours later and be all bewildered. Oh, yeah.
0: No, it's weird. It's weird. It's it's cool. It's a very, it's a perception changing thing to go up there and watch the sun literally just kind of like. You know, kiss the horizon and then just keep going. And
1: yeah, I went to Anchorage a couple of years ago in the summer. We were there in July. Me and my friend Ari went fishing up there. We did some shows up there. And uh, it was weird. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. It was light out. We are like, what in the fuck is this like? Hmm. And the people are cool as shit. That's another place. There's yeah. something about like those people like Alaska even more extreme. Because something about those people that they deal with nature in a way that everybody else just doesn't
0: oh yeah well they have yeah all the time yeah weather's gnarly i mean you can't walk out your house for more than 10 miles before you have a you know giant massive in front of you yeah peak the ocean's right there yeah 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 i mean anchorage is a it's a weird place too
1: i love it yeah (laughs) it's really interesting too because you think of it as like a bunch of like lumberjacks and fishermen and weirdos and like people trying to run from the law or something like that and you get there and there's like hunk free quality there's a bunch of people with gay rights signs and people beeping their horns as they drove by i'm like oh this is not what you think it is no craft breweries and yeah really good restaurants I'm like oh okay this is it's not it's not
0: like hicks i feel like it has a little bit of flavor of the pacific northwest of seattle and portland mm-hmm. but and then, then a, a big dose of weird too. Yeah, a lot, of, know, weird, a lot of weird, a lot of
1: extreme. Yeah, you know I mean these are these are people that are they're that's, this is where they're going to live and die.
0: Yeah, and you know there's grizzly bears everywhere. A lot of Minnesotans and, and folks from where I grew up. There's there's a big connection. A lot of people move up to have moved up to Alaska. So I like I said I grew up going up there fairly regularly in the summer. summer Who did
1: you, you say lives that you know that lives on my Kodiak d- Island? My dad's sister, oh, her family.
0: That's uh, a scary place. Those bears are fucking giant.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. Aren't they the biggest brown bears in the world?
0: Uh, they might be. I think I've heard that the Kamchatka brown bears in Siberia, in, in Russia, across, I don't know if that is Siberia, but up across the, the water there, um, they might be bigger. I could be totally wrong about that. <sighs> but, yeah. I saw um, this video of this guy. Do uh, you
1: remember that show that was on? Uh, it was called The Hunt. It was um, a show that, it it was interesting because um, James Hatfield of Metallica was the narrator of it. Right. And people were so angry at him for narrating this thing that they were uh, talking about boycotting Metallica when they played some music festival.
0: I never watched it. I I remember you talking about it and then, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And it was about uh, bear hunting, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was about brown bear hunting, which is a really controversial form of hunting because you don't really eat those things. I mean, you kind of can, yeah. but they taste like shit. Well, the coastal
0: ones, yeah, especially they're just
1: eating rotten fish all the time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lot of, like animals taste like what they what they eat, which is really
0: yeah.
1: I mean, it makes sense, but it seems pretty counterintuitive.
0: Yeah. I dare Trump to try to take away some of those Alaskan wilderness areas, man. I mean,
1: <sighs> the, I just... the real worry is that he's going to let people drill in them, and they're going to destroy something. Yeah, I mean, that's the real worry. The yeah. real worry is the reason why he's releasing or r- relaxing some of these regulations is that he wants to let industry get in there mm-hmm. and as soon as they start fracking and polluting wells and rivers and it's just it's fucking dangerous man it's just not it's something that if they do fuck it up it could be fucked up for a hundred generations yeah Do you ever
0: live in new york city not in the city i used to live yeah. in new rochelle which is uh right outside the bronx i lived there for seven years or so and uh If there if there wasn't the existence of Central Park and I lived in Brooklyn, so Prospect Park, if those two green places didn't exist while I lived there, I would have probably lost my mind or just moved. Right? I feel like these big areas of wilderness we have, you know, as we we will not be okay as as humans. Mm. I mean, like individually, sure. Is it gonna? Here's my worry. My worry is that. you know the general american public or or the general public doesn't have enough connection or real life experience to know why to care so much and right you know that's a big deal and it's um i don't know there's a lot of different angles you could take on that there's the, there's so much but there's just something that uh i wouldn't i wouldn't uh i mean if it really gets intense i'm going to have to basically drop what i'm doing and do everything i can to to stop them from from Harming these places. I don't know what okay. could be
1: done. My, my yeah. real concern is not just this what's going on now But the future and then also when you really consider it overpopulation I mean there's seven and a half billion people on the planet now the most recent census Yeah, this is a, that's a half a billion increase over the last I don't know how many years, but it hasn't been that many it was six billion just a few years ago I mm. remember that was a number that they bandied about like a decade or two ago. Yeah, now it's seven and a half. Like what happens when it gets to be thirty? Like where are we going to put these motherfuckers? What
0: is the carrying capacity? There of must the be planet? a number. Yeah,
1: it's weird. We're like rats on a sinking ship. Yeah, we're just scrambling everywhere. We're everywhere. We're Something's like gonna there's not another animal like us. We're on every fucking patch of land you can find.
0: Yeah, it's weird, <laughs> but we're awesome. Except these wilderness spots, Right? Look at this. Those, Those this are the, the current world population.
1: <clears throat> oh my is god, is that real? How do they know that? births today.
0: It's based off averages.
1: Look at the births today. You can watch the the numbers just roll in.
0: Oh my god. The difference between the births today and the deaths today. That's incredible. incredible. That's are, why it's moving so fast. People
1: are dying slow as fuck. Population growth today. So the the average 139,000 people today.
0: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> 44 million this year. Oh my god, it's weird, but it's, oh, that's scary. And what's the U.S., 400
0: million?
2: I think we're
1: 300-plus Mexicans. (laughs) 326, it says. See, but that's, they're not counting. They're not counting all the people that snuck in. I just don't think they know. Like, when when they say Los Angeles, when they say Los Angeles 20 million, I'm like, okay, and what about the Mexicans? Yeah. Like, because there's a lot of fuck, and I'm not anti-Mexican in any way, shape, or form, ladies and gentlemen, don't, I'm just looking at this pragmatically. Yeah. There's a fucking shitload of illegal aliens here, which I support.
0: Also, how many people are here at any given time that don't live here but are here on vacation or working here for like a week? That's a good
1: or, question. Yeah, and just added people for hundreds of thousands at any given time. You know what I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, when you get on the four hundred and five and you head to San Diego, and it takes you six hours, and you go, "What <laughs> is this? Like, what have we done? This mass of humans." Yeah. There's so many of us. But
0: when you get here and you realize, oh, you, you guys don't have any weather, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah. But you could also, you know, go 30 miles outside of the city and have that same weather, couldn't you? Yeah, pretty much. Not the people. Yeah. But, you know, you don't get the same taco stands. Right. Yeah. I get it. I like. I love cities, man. I miss it. I miss living in New York City. I really do. Do you? Um, I wouldn't trade it at this point. You know, I was younger and single in new york had a had a fun time and and moved to montana have a family now it's kind of perfect for for uh where i'm at in my life so i don't really need anything else
1: yeah that's the balance right it's like there is no really perfect place it's like there's places that are perfect for certain things like if you're a comedian los angeles is the best place it's either los angeles or new york i prefer los angeles there's a lot of clubs there's a lot of comedians like most of the best comedians in the world live here It's a great place for us to network and we work together and stuff like that and if you if you want to be in that business this is probably the best place in the world to do it so that's one of the reasons it keeps me around here plus the podcast and all that jazz but for peace of mind it's not the best place no
0: does that actually fuck with you
1: Yes yeah yeah then the, the numbers of humans. Is just it's untenable.
0: You're close to North Korea. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right.
1: But if you know what man, if they nuke California, where are you gonna go? You know, I mean the whole yeah. thing's gonna be a mess. Yeah. You might might as well you might be better off if it lands on your head. <laughs> That's what I always say about asteroids. Like, you don't want to be that guy in the movie that, like, is, like, storing food in his basement and uh, staying up all night to shoot vandals and because people are trying to steal your canned goods.
0: That doesn't sound fun. Not like a healthy no. life. No.
1: You don't want to live like that. And then what happens? You die of old age? You die of old age protecting your canned goods?
0: Yeah, in fight or flight your entire life. Fuck that. Freaked out.
1: Fuck that. No. Just let that rock land right on your fucking head. Boom. I used to stress out a lot about where the perfect place to live was. I, I just
0: gave that up. Doesn't exist. Doesn't exist.
1: There's there's places you don't want to be caught dead, <laughs> like Florida. <laughs> I like Florida. How dare you? I like it. Apart, Sarasota. My, no,
0: my wife was uh, raised on Captiva Island, which is on the southwest oh,
1: coast. Okay, like Key West is pretty dope. Yeah, down there it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it's a good place yeah. if you just want to drink and take naps or
0: fish. Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's some cool stuff down
1: there. But it's just Florida is just so fucked up. It's they've they've done such damage to Florida with their oxycontin regulations. Mm. You know, at one time there were more oxycontin prescriptions in Florida than there were the entire country combined.
0: Seriously. Yes. I didn't know that. It was
1: insane.
0: Is this recent as as like recent in these in these late opioid
1: struggles? Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, there was a documentary that did on it called
1: the Oxycontin Express that was on Vanguard. Wow! And um, these people that um, went down there, they went undercover and uh, saw how easy it is to buy opiates down there. Yeah. They, would, they have these one-stop shops, they have these pain management centers, where you'd go in, he'd say, hey doc, my back is killing me. The doc said, you need some pills. Go right next door. So he'd write your prescription, you go right next door, you get the pills, and then boom, you're off to the races. Wow. And they didn't have a database which meant that you could go to Dr. Mm. Jamie, and you say, Dr. Jamie, my back's killing me, Dr. Jamie gives you a prescription, you buy some opium pills or whatever the fuck they are, and then you come to me and you go, Dr. Joe, my back is killing me. I'm like, oh, you so need a prescription. So were they just being
0: sourced there mm-hmm. and then so- sold elsewhere, or were they, they purposely
1: made the regulations lax oh, there so wow. they could make more money. So people were buying them and then bringing them and selling them in Kentucky and up to Ohio, they, and that, that's why they called it the OxyContin Express. The highway that led from Florida to the rest of the country. That sounds evil. Yeah, it was sick. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people lost their lives. And a lot of people lost, like, who they were because of the addiction. Wow. Yeah, the the numbers were insane. Like, Google the numbers. Like, what what were the numbers of Oxycontins or Oxycodone? I still don't know what the difference is. Have and, you
0: seen the re- the reports lately showing that the uh, the life expectancy or the early death rate of... Middle-aged white men, specifically lately, it has dropped for the first time in I don't know, dozens or a because long of pain time. pills. Yeah, well, part of it. They're calling them deaths of of uh, despair. Ooh, how they're being Jesus. written about is literally deaths of despair. It's it's yeah. yeah, Jesus. No, it's heavy. It's real heavy. That's a heavy. There's been a spate of articles over the last three or four um, months just that's really diving into, it. and it's guys, it's men. Here it is. Doctors in
1: Florida prescribe 10 times more oxycodone pills than every other state in the country combined. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And this is now, right? What is this article from? Uh, This was actually from 2011 on NPR, probably when it came out. Ah, there we go. Uh, I can get the updated one. Nah, doesn't matter. It's just, it's a crazy place. Let's just put it that way. Despair is one of the scariest words. Right? Despair. Yeah. When you hear about someone like despair
0: and lonely those are two like really so that's the other word that they're using is 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 loneliness has been they're now measuring it and loneliness is is as or worse of a health issue in our country than smoking heavily smoking there there's what? all this there's this new loneliness is loneliness is isn't overpopulation <laughs> coincided with loneliness The Think same time. that we're, we're thrust further and further closer together and we don't know and, each other And we're more and more uh, disconnected and lonely. And it's literally so. There's a whole um, new—I don't know how new—but it's called interpersonal neurobiology, which is the science of our brain wiring and and physiological wiring on how we're. um, Yeah, this is one of the articles.
1: Loneliness might be a bigger health risk than smoking or obesity. Whoa,
0: that's dark, dude. It's dark, but you know, with the in my life the experience i've had in my life i'm it, it, when i read that i'm like of course duh, yeah duh. it makes sense yeah we are a disconnected people we are electronically yeah. digitally connected in a crazy way but in a human way and it, it's killing it literally is is harming awesome people are dying and it's crazy it's that crazy so stuff fascinating yeah. that like feelings
1: have an effect on your health like the feeling of loneliness the feeling of despair it's not like you could eat your vegetables you can get your exercise in and you if you feel despair and you feel loneliness your
0: body is actually like being harmed by that but there's a real like practical reason for that and that's because we are when we come out as babies we are the most dependent individuals so like our you know what i mean like on your parents on your mother we are completely socially dependent when we're born completely and so you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. You ever heard mm-hmm. of that? Yeah. So it's like you know to be okay, you have to take care of breathing and water and your basic functions. But there's there's been um, studies recently by these neurobiologists that are showing that these social needs are just as or even uh, like come before some of these physical needs. There's, there's it's it's crazy, man. And there's literally um, there's a book called Social by a guy named Matthew Lieberman. Like, you gotta check it out. And so what they are finding is that there's like two uh, parts of our operating brain. And this is you know, going to be me uh, paring it down. But one is the analytical thinking deciding thing. And the other is this social awareness brain, which is always like always checking in on how am I in relation to others. And it's also the part of the brain that actually we can you know, like the metacognitive part and the part that I can they call it mind reading. But really, it's just it's just. By us sitting here, I can kind of get a sense of how you feel and what you're thinking, right? right? Just by the the connection that we have and just it's it's part of who we are. So when our analytical brain is offline, this other one, the social one, pops on immediately. So, so what they're theorizing is that that is like the fundamental need for humans in safety and survival is how are we uh, relating to each other as a, as a group? But it makes sense if you look, I mean, to me, it makes sense in, um, you know, we are social animals. We forget that, I think. But you look at other species of monkeys or wolves or whatever. I mean, you know, there might be a period of time where, say, a a wolf will will get kicked out of a pack for a while and he'll go do his thing, but eventually come back to a pack. It's not safe for us as humans and animals, social animals like these to be isolated. It's, it's not. And, and so there's all these parts of us that just, if we're not connected to other people in a, in a very direct and true way, there's these sort of uh, deep down emotional and physiological uh, fears that come up, right? And, they, and they're, they're real. And that's what the neurobiology is showing, which is really in, interesting. I mean, we can just think about that, but they're actually showing it now that if we're not really connected to each other, we're going to be freaked out. We're not going to be okay. And, um, you know, I really believe that this really drives a lot of the internal struggle we have. And we're really, and this is part of, you know, getting into it, that's part of my, what I'm trying to bring into the world and my platform now is is just to, you know, stand up and say, Hey, we need each other and we can do it. It's not, and for guys specifically, right. It's such a Mm. social stigma of ours to not be, real or open or connected or vulnerable with guys and uh and it's uh it's cool to see the science coming out because it's I have all this anecdotal evidence of being out the wood in the woods with kids or being in a in a men's group with guys or running a retreat or whatever this is of how powerful it is to like set down all of our differences and just be there with others yeah. but now the science is is really lighting it up and Yeah, man. Loneliness, I mean, we can all think about it. Loneliness isn't fun. It's not, it doesn't feel good. But the other, this is crazy too, that they're showing that emotional pain lights up the same centers of our brain as physical pain. And that one study showed that um, an insult to someone had much more painful and long-term effects than slamming somebody with a hammer, hitting their hand with a hammer. So like our emotional pain literally actually exists in the body like it is actual pain and the reason that it's so uncomfortable to feel our emotions which it is you know i mean i'll just say it is is that it actually hurts like actually hurts i mean and there's like people say things like you broke my heart or i'm dying of heartache or whatever but the, the science is catching up and showing us that this pain is actual it's real and we're not addressing it we're not even aware of it it's really interesting. Whoa. That's
1: yeah. deep. You know, it's interesting, too, because what, what you're saying about us being disconnected and how unhealthy it is and how unhealthy loneliness is, it sort of confirms these ideas that I've always had that the human race itself is not like a group of individuals, but a super organism, much like the human body is. Like the human body like requires all the bacteria in your gut, all the skin flora, all the different things that compose the actual physical structure of the human body, whereas we think of it, I think there's some nutty number of how much bacteria, how many bacteria cells are in your body versus how many human cells. Right. Isn't that and crazy? it far outnumbers yeah. the human cells. Yeah. And It's just that we think of ourselves as I'm Mike and I put my shoes on and I go to work because I am Mike and but Mike you're a system. You're a system of individual organisms that are collectively keeping this whole thing alive and when the imbalance is off like. When someone takes an antibiotic and it fucks up their gut flora like literally you've like nuked a part of your civilization yeah, Right, and you know to try to save Something like if you had some sort of a surgery and you're worried about an infection Which is kind of like an invading army coming in and taking yeah. over part of your leg that you have it operated on like- Yeah,
0: it would be like slashing the tires of all of our transport system in the country like that's right. our gut That's like yeah. what delivers things in, in and out, right? Yeah,
1: and even has an impact on your your health mentally oh, in yeah. terms of of like how you feel and your, you know, depression, a lot of that is connected, legitimately connected to your diet and how that affects your gut flora. And it affects the way your body produces serotonin and dopamine and it's bananas, man. Oh,
0: yeah. No, I Here get it. it is.
1: <clears throat> Scientists bust the myth that our bodies have more bacteria than human cells. Decades-old assumption about microbiota revisited. Oh, okay, what's the new, it's what's the new to data? It's
0: down 1 to 1 instead of 10 to oh, 1. Oh, so it's, wow. you are
1: as much. Okay, so they used to say it was 10 to 1, but now it's 1 to 1. Okay. Wow, that's still crazy, man. It's still like you're half bacteria. Yeah.
0: I like that analogy, though, of the body as, as like a civilization or whatever. Yeah. I mean, th- think about if you're one of your, I don't know, one important neuron, one cell, neural cell or something, decided just to go rogue and not be in connection with the rest of you, right? I mean, right. I don't, that wouldn't work so well, right? I don't, no. I, don't, I don't know what happened. Your body would probably get rid of it and get it out of there. Or, I don't know, maybe, uh, so I'm just really reaching here, but it's some sort of rogue cell at that point right like yeah. a cancerous cell or something it would probably be attacked so yeah if you I think that if you take that analogy you know our civilization here is we're hurting mm. we're really hurting because we're, we're really not you know we are working together obviously in practical ways a lot of times you know work and commerce and you know the world is functioning but I think on a like a health and fulfillment level we're, we're missing something pretty deeply
1: yeah. yeah. Well, also, like, let's talk about people that are disconnected from actual humans, but connected to them in a cyber way. Yeah. Like, how many people are, like, really lonely in terms of, like, physical touch and communication with friends, and yeah. but they sit in front of their computer all day and they interact with people online, which shows you, like, some of the most unhealthy communities you'll ever encounter are, like, online message boards and forums where yeah. people are just anonymous and Interacting with people without what we were talking about earlier like one of the reasons why I like to do podcast with a person in the room I've only done one podcast ever mm-hmm. through Skype um, And that was with John Anthony West mm-hmm. because he was living in New York and he's this really important Egyptologist And I really wanted to talk to him is the only way I could get him to do it was to do it through Skype So yeah. I did one I prefer to sit there with people because I want to look at them. I want to feel their energy I want to I feel like you and I doing this conversation, you get to understand each other. Totally, no, yeah. I get
0: it, and I and I think I can hear it in your podcast too. And I think that uh, you know, and again, I, I'm not going to keep hitting the, the biology part, but there's a, to me, I think that there it means I can sense that there's a something else in me is getting is triggered. Right? If we were yeah. just talking on the phone, there is something, um, and it might be this other part of your brain, but it's lit up right now, right? right. Because I can I can spatially. You know, so you can feel where you are. We right. can, we can uh, you know, have Social eye contacts. contact and all yeah. of that. All of that. Yeah, and it's it's that sense of connection. It's that real. Um, I think, and I think that is you know really apparent in your podcast is that you, yeah, you sit here and you really connect to somebody and just run with it. And I think that's uh, it's a big, it's a big thing, man. I mean, I mean, I th- I think of like, um, so part part of what I do is is I help. Um, proliferate this idea of men's groups across the country where guys get together for exactly what we're talking about. It's just like, you know, the, the intent of them is to um, get together to challenge and support each other's growth or personal growth, you know, and it's just a simple sort of protocol and a simple sort of um, uh, design or, or sort of, it's, there's a structure to it, but the whole point is, is remedial in a sense. It's that, you know our culture in general, but guys, especially in our culture, don't have um, this uh, this unfettered place to really show up and actually connect with each other. And right. it's a scary thing. I mean, it's a it's it's um you know it's until now and, and still now, but hopefully not too long. I really like that stigma of not being connected is um, it's a big deal. And and I think that back to the cyber thing that you're saying, like we can we can get that hit of serotonin by getting a like on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. Right. We can get that. But that pale, I mean, I don't even want to make a comparison toward mm-hmm. actually sitting, sitting down with somebody and actually feeling and, and experiencing them. Yeah. It's, you can't make a comparison. No, it's not okay to me. It's not, I don't. Yeah. It's just it's, so, I'm so different. A, I'm in a tricky position
1: because I, I rely on social media to let people know that I have a podcast coming out you know, like right before the podcast, I was like, what's yeah. your Twitter? So I could tweet it. Yeah. And then I also like to promote comedy dates and to let people know about cool shit that I find. Yeah. But the the interaction is so, it's so weird. Like, especially, there's like a bunch of different kinds of interaction. Like Instagram is one of the weird ones because the cuntiest people All Have blocked pages. Oh, yeah, it's like they're blocking don't look at me and they just say nasty shit to people But they have these blocked pages. It's like but I think that that's it's so funny how that seems to be like It's so common But it makes sense, it's like they're blocked off and they're attacking people and saying shitty things to people and I'm not even talking about to me. I'm talking about like when I go to someone else's page and I read cunty things, I always go to that, I go, let's see if that guy's blocked. Yup, he's blocked, how funny. Like it's super common, it's like this weird thing that people are doing with each other where it's not real interaction. And I feel like the people that are perpetrating it are extremely unhealthy, which is why they're saying such nasty, vicious shit in the first place. It's really, really odd, they're lonely, yeah, no, I mean, or in you know, some way, or disconnected yeah. or disenfranchised, or they feel inferior, yeah, and so they lash out and they want other people to feel the way they feel,
0: and so one uh, what I feel when you say that, like one thing that's missing there is empathy, yeah, in in that in that interact, whatever that interaction is, yeah, it's this removed story that you're making up some some like whatever you want the world you know you're projecting your shit out into the world you're not actually slowing down enough to you know you you can sit here and give opinions or whatever all day long but you, you know the no but to what you said though it is a weird position but i think the way that things are going so we we are using these tools the social media to connect us and to get messages out but you know the way that the like the millennial generation is going is that what they value and what they want to spend their money on is meaningful experiences, which means, you know, generally speaking, a live in-person event. And I think there's a wave of things going back to this. So, you know, as a tool, we need that. I mean, this is amazing. You know, this, this platform, this podcast you have that touching so many people or just Twitter, whatever it is, but then it can be you know, used for incredible good to bring two people together, I think. And then, and then, so what's missing in that in that social media interaction? Uh, I don't know, maybe it balances out. Maybe it doesn't. I, I don't really know.
1: But it's a message in a bottle. You just got to make yeah. sure it's a good message. You yeah. know, you're not going to, you're not, you have to like be cognizantly aware, I think, of how other people are going to receive it without actually getting that reception mm-hmm. back from them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and that's where it gets real weird. And you have to like, I think, apply the same principles that you would in communicating with other people like without actually communicating with them, without seeing them, without getting the social cues, without looking them in the eye. and
0: We're we're a weird thing, man. This might not make sense, but I'm going to bring it back to connect to the wilderness stuff, what we're talking about in this sense of this sort of isolation and loneliness that we have. And for me, in my life, where I learned to connect with others, where I really learned to sort of give it up let go be present with people was in the wilderness it was it was doing that job out in the desert with kids Mm. out there for eight to 20 days at a time with these kids where that was my job it was my job to simply be with them and in a way uh to be with them in a way that was um you know obviously with a lot of boundaries and everything but to be really real just to be totally real and Mm. honest and straightforward call bullshit when we saw bullshit be empathetic and it was just like this crazy k- crash course in human connection and it yeah. happened to be out in the wilderness but so what i think i don't know this is this is a it'll tie together but for me i started to feel way 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 more human being out there in the wilderness like just being out there where it was quiet being out there where like you know If I sat on a rock, I was sitting on a rock and the sun was on me and all of my senses were engaged, you know, very aware of my body. We were in these groups where we're being practicing, being very aware of what we felt and being able to feel and express that. And it just felt like, um, you know, since then, for me, it all comes back to, to being out in the wilderness. But since then, all the other things I've engaged in meditation, the men's group stuff all the other person, even uh, psychedelics, things like that, all the things that I've experienced all for me, tie back to that thing. And it, it comes down to what I feel is like being totally as much as you can truly present. Yeah. Like just, just here. Right. Right. And, And you can write a Twitter message from that place of being present. Right. That's fine. I mean, there's, there's nothing necessarily wrong or bad about that, but, um,
1: but don't check the responses every 3 minutes for the next <laughs> 6 hours <laughs> like a fucking maniac. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a matter of I guess rationing rationing some of the some of that social media stuff or rationing some of that online interaction with other people. I feel like as time has gone on, I've I've gotten much more of my online interaction in like an educational form, Uh in terms of like interesting articles science things things that don't involve like social interaction or opinion as much as they involve really fascinating facts yeah like um something that i found today they think that north america might have been settled by humans as much as a hundred thousand years earlier than they thought i saw that you see that yeah i did yeah it's insane Like that kind of shit freaks me out. I I love that kind of stuff. Because that that kind of stuff is just pure curiosity and pure wonder. And and, and the imagination goes wild thinking about what it must have been like to be one of these early humans surviving or trying to survive. And if they didn't, we wouldn't be here. And these these, uh, Macedon fossils... They found them the bones were shattered and there's rocks nearby that do not seem like they were brought anywhere So it was 1992 they were doing highway construction near San Diego huh. and they found these odd-looking bones and then they started doing these um, uh, Studies on them and then they found their mastodon bones and they didn't have the ability to do Carbon testing and get a real accurate assessment back then some but now they do and so now when they're checking these bones and the way these bones had been shattered, they're pretty sure that they had been shattered purposely, Human. like to get to the marrow. Wow. Yeah.
0: So that yeah, that's a great example of uh, a positive benefit. Yesterday, <clears throat> I, uh, I I meditated for about eighty minutes or so, and then I and I, I sat up afterwards, and I clicked on my phone and opened Facebook, and the first thing I clicked on was say, uh was a video of a woman in slow motion who stuck her ass out the window of a bus and just shat the stream of shit. (laughs) (laughs) And I just, I just, I had to laugh to myself, man. I was just like in this zone, you know, I was in this beautiful Uh, place and then open and watch. I was was like, oh my God. It reminded me of Callan's one joke, the shitting out of the car at 80 miles an hour. Yeah. (laughs) YouTube video.
1: I think, yeah, yeah, I've, I've definitely seen too many of those videos. I've seen too many videos of people getting beat up too. Too many pe- videos of street fights, too many videos of people like skateboard accidents where they f- fucking flip and fall on their head. It's hard to not watch that yeah, though, yeah, right? It's very I, hard. I, yeah, very hard. Yeah. <laughs> very. <laughs> it's very hard. I mean, I feel like there's something to be learned in those videos. Like, I almost want to show my kids, hey, don't try to do flips. If you don't know what you're doing, you're landing <laughs> your fucking head. But, you know, I mean, understanding the consequences and having someone else. Do it so you can learn from them they've already done it so here learn this is what this is why you don't fuck with a tiger see look the guy got killed by the tiger now you know this is why you don't do this This is why you don't do that like there's got to be some educational value in those yeah yeah i'm sure
0: that but seems it's like awesome. a reach, a little
1: bit. It's little a little, little bit little of a reach. reach. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, we have some pretty strong instincts in us to so that say, don't fuck with it. I tiger, know, but right? dumb kids,
1: man. It's like, yeah. it's almost like dumb kids are there as educational tools for the survivors. It's like you're <laughs> yeah. supposed to see that one kid poke the tiger and get mauled. And you're like, shit, I can't believe he actually broke into the zoo. Now Bobby's gone. Yeah. You know, like Bobby, like, I mean, that's the Joseph Campbell. Uh, Story of the hero that it goes all the way back to the one person who sacrificed their life and got killed by the predator in front of the tribe and Mm -hmm. and so that the tribe could survive and that they they worship that person for doing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The the hero goes off, learns a lesson, brings it back to the community and everybody's better for it.
1: Yeah. Or you watch the hero get
0: mauled and he's a martyr and then you escape while the hyenas are eating him. One of the things we taught or we worked with kids out in the woods was that uh, we called it natural consequences, right? Which is, which just means that when you do something, something else happens. There is a natural reaction. And it was used a lot of times um, in uh, opposition or instead of, of like a, a penalty system, right? So if you do something bad, we could we could lay this punishment on top of you. Like what kind of stuff? I mean, oh, well, so for example, if... Um, if somebody was going to harm themselves or somebody else, you got tarped. tarped. Be, you tarped. Know, yeah, you got. To, you, you, we put out a tarp and uh, your shoes and everything would be taken away from you, and, and you couldn't leave the tarp. Like that—that that was where you had to stay because you couldn't hurt yourself. Or you couldn't hurt anybody else. Wow. Um. So that was, you know, and some of What'd that. What'd you is, do with their shoes? Ate them? No. <laughs> Just, <What'd> you, <laughs> where'd you put them? In your tent
1: or under your tarp? or what, And so they whatever, had to but, stay like under a tarp. Is that the idea or?
0: Uh, if it was raining, yeah, but no, I mean, otherwise, it's just it was just basically a timeout, you know. Oh, in okay. Instance. You know, you gotta stay here. You can't interact with the group. You're by yourself. Whatever. Uh, that's actually not the best example, but I, I'll just use. So, if you swore, you could. Some programs would, you know, maybe have a point system. You get penalized 10 for curse words. Or, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that wasn't that seems a little silly. Yeah, it wasn't really upheld. I'm, I'm reaching for a good example here. I, what I'm trying to say is that if you do something shitty, generally you hurt others around you, and things things happen. And so what we tried to show is that if, if kids would do something shitty, to uh, pay attention and and that they would see the harm they're creating themselves by by harming other people, mm. rather than just like, you know, uh, in society, just locking a kid up for you know breaking the law. Um, it would be you know maybe if you break a window, you in in this other way you would go and. Um, actually see and experience the, the, the shit that other people had to do to fix the window and, and, right. do all that, you know, more of a reparative type of justice system rather than like a, a penalty punitive justice. punitive. That's right. The, yeah. Right.
1: So when but. you did take these kids, like what was like the most extreme example of someone who's like really disturbed? Cause I would imagine there would be like a big sort of, uh, like, there was a lot of variables. Like Some people would be kind of fucked up, and some people would be really
0: fucked up. It's probably a spectrum, right? Oh, Absolutely. Generally speaking, very few were, I would say, actually fucked up. Very, 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 very few. What was the case with most of them? Um, they were kids in families and, and like communities that didn't know how to make space for them and deal with them. They mm. didn't have mentors. They didn't have uh, people to didn't have parents that, that gave them the right direction. I don't know, you know, like being a kid is, is, uh, you're supposed to test boundaries, right? It's, right. it's like, that's the part of your development in your ontogeny that it's like, you are defining your personality. You're defining who you are and you need to test the boundaries. And, um, you know, some of the kids made, uh, only two, I probably worked with at least a thousand, maybe more kids altogether. Uh, maybe that's a stretch a lot right for a lot for a long time and only one I went to bed at night worried I might get my head kicked in really just, just one one kid and um, maybe one or two other kids that I walked away actually not enjoying being around them almost every other single one it was just like I walked away what did you
1: do about the one that you worried about getting your head kicked in
0: you know just kind of just kind of sat with it (laughs) there's really nothing to do you know
1: did it was it just like initially or through
0: the entire experience that was through the whole thing oh jesus that was through the whole thing that was uncomfortable fuck that yeah what happened to him oh he's dead now no i have no idea you know there's there's i mean there's laws and there's things you don't generally get to stay in touch oh right right. this was actually at a a a state program so this was a um, in lieu of a jail sentence they came out so so this kid was locked up Um, wow what did he do I don't remember. I don't know. Probably stole a car or beat somebody up, or I don't, I don't know. He was just super aggressive. He wasn't. No. no. But uh, he had that. He had the. I had the feeling that he had no empathy for Ooh. others' pain. Right. And he couldn't feel that. That's the. That's the only time it ever got any interaction with any of those kids ever got. You know that that sent chills through me. You know that was like. And maybe maybe I didn't feel in any practical sense that he was gonna hurt me, but I had the sense that if he did, he wouldn't care right? oh, wow, because there wasn't that connection, the same thing we're talking about in a sense like that's the thing get dropped in a in a group of eight boys or young men, and um it was so funny like uh, you could you know we worked with therapists with therapists come and all this stuff but all like the fundamental thing I took away from that experience was that in order for these for these guys to grow up and sort of move on and get going in their lives, you know what they needed was just somebody like me to just to, just to show up. Like it's right. really not complicated, right? Yeah. And, and so just let them air things out and talk about better ways to do things and sort of get some perspective. Now, you know, we maybe talked about this last time, but then they'd go home and not necessarily have that support anymore and be back in their old... uh arena where, where, um, you know, their old friends and their old family dynamic and all that. And it, and it, you know, it's hard. It's a, it's a hard way. And so I left that whole experience just feeling very strongly that a, we can, as a community and society do just way better with some simple, simple changes. We we can do better at raising our boys. We just can cause I've done it.
1: When you have someone that has no empathy though, what can be done to, instill empathy in someone who lacks
0: it, if anything? So I don't know, you know, if, if you go on that far end of the spectrum where there's nothing, I don't know. And I don't know if that's possible, but I do know that it's a muscle we can practice. I mean, empathy is something that, right. we, that we can get better at and that we can pay more attention to. When that's you find for sure. a
1: fucked up young kid without empathy, like how, what, what sort of motivation do they have to gain empathy if they feel like... No one has shown it towards them or I don't know what so
0: so that's that's it. That's it, right? So the motivation that you I believe you could show is for them to If they could let you caring about them really in Mm. if they could really feel cared about and What's incredibly sad, but real is that I think some people, you know grow up in in a their brains develop They develop as humans where they don't have that and so the actual wiring the actual State to 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 receive that isn't there I think that that is possible to gain and you know, there's been what is that a child called it, you know Have you heard of that book? Yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible in the much in the less extreme cases um, I mean in a sense that that's kind of a lot of w- what I do is help uh, guys become more empathetic and the not just for the benefit of others. There's right? a, there's, for the benefit of themselves.
1: The, the reason why I brought this up is a yeah. podcast um, on Radiolab about Bernie Madoff. Okay. And um, where this guy contacted Bernie Madoff. He sent him letters, and then finally Bernie Madoff called him and they did this interview together. Where the way it works in prison, I guess, at least the prison where Bernie Madoff is, you get 15 minutes to talk on the phone. And mm. then you have to wait 15 minutes before you could talk again mm. and then 15 minutes again And so they this is how they did the interview like 15 minutes on 15 minutes off 15, And after a while he sort of gained his trust and he went deep into how this whole deception started And how Bernie made off if you don't know the whole story Bernie Madoff is the guy who had this gigantic Ponzi scheme And stole billions of dollars from people and yeah, it's called Ponzi supernova is the uh, Lab episode Wow and uh, one of the things that was the most chilling was how little empathy he had towards the people that he ripped off. Right. And, whose lives had been destroyed. His son committed suicide. Um, uh, people like literally went from having all of this money to being so broke they were like dumpster diving. And he I didn't mean, care. He didn't give a fuck. Yeah. I mean, he he, he had no empathy. Yeah. And he's a monster. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, re- it's really interesting to see like this guy's reaction to Bernie Madoff's lack of empathy and yeah. realizing somewhere along the line like oh this guy does not care that was one of the things that the investigators had said about him that it didn't seem to bother him at all that he had done this to these people mm. that what what bothered him was that he had gotten caught
0: hmm
1: but it didn't bother him that these people had been devastated what bothered him was like that people had made money weren't giving that money back like he called one guy and told him the guy had made like nine billion dollars he was worth nine billion dollars rather seven billion of it had come from bernie madoff's ponzi scheme and he told me had to give that seven billion dollars back the guy had a heart attack drowned in his pool Mm oh (laughs) my god which is kind of hilarious because you can't live with two billion (laughs) yeah i guess well maybe it's not liquid, maybe he couldn't give back the seven billion. Maybe it was impossible. It was tied up in real estate and holdings and this and that and the other thing, but
0: isn't it amazing that one person's reality could I just, I would love to step into his head for a second, wouldn't you? The, to Bernie mm. made up, just to see what it felt like? Right. I think that'd be very helpful to be able yeah. to step into that because
1: Just to see. Right? I can't picture it. Yeah.
0: I just can't picture it.
1: Well, yeah. I could also couldn't picture not being able to live with two billion dollars either. Like what <laughs> what is it it's the, that weirdness of the game, right? Is like yeah. you, you score 100 points, you want to score 1,000 points. Score 1,000, you want to score a million. Score a million, you want to score a billion. Yeah. It's like you never stop. And people never – they never achieve peace. Like That's what I always used to say about Bill Gates. Like, why the fuck is Bill Gates still working? Yeah, like You right. hear about him being the richest – and now he's not. I mean, he really did sort of find some sort of a balance – and now almost all of his work is done towards humanitarian efforts, he's, you know, he donates a lot of money, a lot of charities, I mean, a lot of really good work, Mm -hmm. like post his Microsoft career, which is like really kind of unique that a guy sort of found his way, found his, kept a shitload of money, Yeah, don't get me wrong, Yeah, you know, (laughs) apparently he's got some stupid fucking house with a submarine in, in the Pacific Northwest where, like, if someone tries to break into his house, you can fucking escape in a submarine. And I kayaked by his house once, actually. Did you? Yeah. Or, did they let you? Did Secret Service fucking swarm you and ask you where you're going? Yeah, nobody. I couldn't see anybody. They're probably all in the trees. Are you allowed to just walk by
0: his house? How's that work? Well, it was a private island, at least the place that I was at. I was just told by the guy I was with. We were actually throwing crab pots out of a kayak and... Um, I was just told it was his like house. I don't know if it was uh, main house, might have been one of his houses, but uh we were, you know, I don't know, fifty yards off the shore and it was a private island. A uh, private island? That's when you're yeah
1: ballin'. Yeah. You got your own island.
0: You know who has an island? Tyler
1: Perry. The guy that makes those shitty movies and T V shows, those awful shows.
0: Tyler Perry. Yeah. He has a private island? He has a private island. Where? I don't know, you can't know. <laughs> if you don't. Know. I actually feel uh some sadness for Bernie Madoff. Really? Oh yeah, man. I mean, that's. I don't know. He's as tortured as you know. I think it's harder to feel empathy for him, but he's as tortured of a human as I don't know. Pick anybody. Maybe. Right. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. I. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Project. I don't know. That's a fact. But I don't know. If you're if you're hurting that many people, are you are you kidding me? Like, you you, you aren't feeling. You don't feel all right. Yeah.
1: You know? It's a it's a weird line. Like, when do you feel bad for someone? Do you feel bad for Jeffrey Dahmer? Like, how did he become that cannibal murderer guy? How, right. did, how did that happen? You know, like, what, what causes someone to go from, like, you have a boy. What causes someone to go from your cute little baby boy to being some monster? Yeah. Like, how does that, what is it about people yeah. that makes it... Possible for someone to go, even not for, to a monster, but how about that young boy that you were working with that had no empathy, that you yeah. worried about sleeping near? Like, mm-hmm. wh- who, what happens? Like, the developmental process of a human being is way more fascinating to me. Uh, as an adult with children, than it was when I was a young man. When yeah. I was a young man and I was single and I didn't have any kids, I just thought people were fucked up. And some people weren't. And right. The people that are fucked up, fuck them and
0: death penalty and like kick their ass. Mm. And see, I I've been just... obsessed with this my all my life. Really? It's been am- absolutely like what what is this process of growing? Have you ever heard of the novel *Siddhartha*? No. By Hermann Hess Hesse. I'm not trying to say that, but it's a a classic novel. An um, author from Germany, and and it it. uh chronicles the life of a young guy named Siddhartha but the whole book what it is is it goes through his entire life from when he was born until he dies and in it are these like very specific stages of life so he's you know his like young wandering years and then um, he needs to work so he goes to a city and and he learns from a from a trader and then he needs to learn about love so he so he gets with a, a prostitute but but all in these big stages and that book did something to me at an early age. I just got obsessed with this process of maturing, and there's a there's a term for it called ontogeny, which is the the process of an organism's growth over their lifespan. It's just this natural sort of like a tree. The ontogeny of a tree is it is a you know a seed that drops and then it sprouts and then it roots and then it grows and then it dies and and it is yeah it's been an obsession of mine and you know, getting thrown into that work of working with kids, and, yeah, it's, it's um, I'm I'm so fascinated by it, and I don't have, obviously, any, you know, solid, here's how it goes, but, but I've been looking into it for, you know, a long time, and, um, I just, I think that, oh, anyway, back to the book, the, I used to read that book out loud to these groups of kids, I was working, with. we'd sit around the fire at night, and I'd read a novel, you know, you'd be out there for days, so you'd have right. time to read a novel out loud. And, uh, you know, it's just something poetic, not about just the words, but about watching the life, someone's life unfold as a whole story and watching them, you know, yeah, I don't know, grow up. Yeah, it's just it's this weird fascination I have. And, and specifically because and it all come and keep saying it comes back to that time in the woods. But I only worked with males with boys and it wasn't I didn't choose to do that. I felt like do a lot know, of girls do the same sort of therapy
1: yeah yeah i think but they know, must go with women too It's probably exactly. a problem with men going out there with girls they'll
0: right? they'll do mixed uh, leadership groups so like a male and a female mm-hmm. for, for both boys and girls but yeah there's always a girl with the girls um but yeah man i just got obsessed with this what what how do we grow up what does it look like what does it feel like how come it's not happening because that's a big part of what i felt as i looked around is that I think that a lot of adult, physically adult men walk around with, uh, parts of themselves that are still 13, yeah. six, two, 18. Right. You know, like there's, there's this human maturation process, this human journey that we all have available to us that I, um, you know, I think we're too busy a lot of times to let it actually flow and happen. And, well,
1: I, I think that, that's true. But I also think that there's a, a maturation process that comes from overcoming obstacles oh, that yeah. a lot of people just don't encounter. They don't encounter difficulty, so they don't learn about themselves. That's
0: part of it. But I think that a lot of times, even if they do encounter difficulty, they don't let themselves actually feel, they don't let themselves experience it. Right? Mm. Like everybody has shitty things happen to them, but you can keep that shitty thing at a distance from you. Right? You can, right. You can like, kind of address it. You can sort of I don't know, act out against it. But unless you actually feel it, you know, I mean, think about, and this, this gets into things like, uh, trauma and resilience and how people are able to move on from hardship. Right. And, and a lot of the, the research, um, there's a, uh, psychiatrist called Bessel van der Kolk. Never heard of him. No. Fascinating dude. He's uh he started working with the VA in Boston and, uh, worked with return vets from, Um, from uh, Vietnam and then did this whole uh, lifetime of study about trauma and how it comes into humans and how you can move through it and how you can heal it and all this stuff and uh, it it just it it basically comes down to uh, being able like to be more resilient to be able to get over things so say death in the family or an attack or an assault or whatever whatever that trauma could be that if you don't allow the body and the your system to actually go through feel and process what's going on you you lock it up you lock it up you you like you, it uh and it it doesn't i mean it's almost like it gets implanted in you somewhere and then it just like this festers festers and it's mm. and the cool thing is is that the you know the, the the science now is is showing the the very specifics of this it's not just i mean it's still theory right but it's um so I feel like I got off what what we were talking about there. Um, but yeah, yeah, I I feel like, like you said, being able to overcome things, of course, absolutely. And part of that is just to me, um, again, speaking more from a male perspective here, but part of that. And I think a lot of what our culture says is okay is let's, uh, horse our way through this, right? Let's force, let's push harder. Let's, let's conquer our fears and our feelings. Let's let's not address it. Let's just push right, run through the wall, right. basically. Or take antidepressants. Well, it. well, right. So that's yeah. that's the thing. Then there's this other whole way to to get through hardship, which is by actually surrendering to it and letting your this like brilliant system that we have as humans to process it and and get through it, right? Right. It's, and and that's that's a way to wholeness and and, and health in some ways. Right? I think they're both important. I mean, like, yeah, you need to be able to. Uh, you know, ignore the pain and and power your way up that mountain or, or save somebody that's getting hurt or whatever. And then there's this other part I think that needs to be in balance, which is, um, accepting what's happening and getting through. I, I, yeah, just a way to accept what's happening and let your body do what it needs to do. Well, I
1: also think there's an extreme lack of discipline that a lot of people have and that discipline, a lot of it comes From overcoming difficult obstacles and understanding the work that's required to get things done Mm. Making these little leaps and bounds making these improvements in your life getting better at things I think those things are really critical to the human mind. Yeah, I think the mind has desires, and one of the big desires is it has a desire for improvement yeah. and a desire to achieve goals. And there's a lot of people that these goals are laid out by other people. These goals are like graduating from third grade, graduating from fourth grade, a lot of shit that you don't want to do. Right. So these goals are meaningless to you. So you never feel like you've accomplished anything that you actually want to do. And next thing you know, you're a 35-year-old man working for an insurance company. You don't want to be there, yeah. and you don't have any real part of you that you've nurtured right. you've just sort of plugged you into these other weird shapes and conform to them and then you just want to go fucking crazy and probably bitched about it all the way along probably way, right? yeah you probably complained and you're yeah. annoying and you're a whiny little twat and you're out there just <laughs> yeah. clogging up the freeway beeping at yeah. people and giving them the finger i mean that's a lot of humans that you run into that's a
0: lot of it's a lot of this life so yeah and that points directly to what You know, I do. And what I'm building is is that so you take eight of those guys and you set up a a room and you say, all right, in this space right here, fuck all that. We're going to be actually honest and say what we're feeling, but maybe can't even really access. So like all that frustration, all that shit or whatever, it could be anything. That's
1: so hard for people to do, right? Like what what kind of techniques do you employ to get someone like say if you got some guy who's closed off and has been bullshitting his way through life. And then all of a sudden, here he is—this 35-year-old guy that's really troubled. That's in a room with you. Yeah. How do you get that guy to open up?
0: Safety and safety, and leading by example, and being vulnerable by example. And when somebody, it's part of this connection, like sitting down with somebody. That if you, um, after one of these last retreats, one of the guys came up to me and said, "Safety is the new ayahuasca," which is maybe a strange thing to say, but hmm. he said he'd been all over the world doing drugs, trying to find growth, trying to find himself. And we went went to this retreat, and all we did was sit down and say, "Okay, our intention, all we're doing, what we actually are doing here, is just uh, making this. Uh, you're not gonna be, you're gonna be supported. You're not gonna be laughed at. Like, like it's a safe space to do it. And then you just uh, you dive in and and lead by example, and that example like plugs others right into it. Like, it's this amazing like symbiotic thing that happens. So, right, and and people just sometimes break open, sometimes crack slowly open, but uh, you know, all of a sudden, so maybe after 35 years of only being other people's program, you get in touch with what you actually feel what you actually want, and who you actually are. It's just like this fucking. It's like holy shit.
1: I think for a lot of holy people, shit. it's really difficult to try to do what you actually want to, because you've spent so much time rewarding yourself with material items yeah. for these little accomplishments that you've you've become in debt. Yeah, and you really can't escape the system. I mean, that's a, t- totally. a real problem with people. They totally. have a car that they're leasing. They have a house yeah. that they're renting or that even worse, that they bought and then they, they're stuck. And then they don't know what the fuck to do. They have to keep this insurance
0: company job. Yeah. And it's just rotting them out from the inside. Totally, yeah. I mean, there's like a whole society built on... on uh trying to keep you not who you are. Right. In a sense, I think, you know, but so what we're finding, which is really amazing is that if you stay on that surface level, if you stay on that sort of, um, I I don't know, like, so, so trying to improve yourself uh, goes so far, but it's kind of like an iceberg thing. Right. So like if your goal is to make more money, right. And, and here's your goal and you're going toward it and you, and you're, I don't know. Listen to podcasts, or you, you do all this stuff, and you, and you try to figure out how to do it. How do how do I do it? How right. do I, and you keep hitting the wall. You keep getting sort of uh, thrown down, and you don't really understand that underneath. Meanwhile, is this massive sort of like pent up shit, and if you address that massive pent up shit, then all of a sudden, getting to that goal is a whole different story. It's a whole different story. It's uh, it's um. It's like always trimming the, like, if you need to get rid of a tree in your yard, but all you do is every day you chop the leaves off, the leaves off. But if you address that, the roots, the deeper stuff. And, uh, you know, and again, there's a stigma against that, especially for dudes, right? So th- right. there's a, like, guys don't want to go to therapy. Guys don't want to get into woo-woo, hippie, spiritual shit. Or guys- they do and they're annoying. Sure. Right. They don't, yeah, exactly. (laughs) The ones that do want
1: to get into it. Right. right?
0: Exactly. And I mean, I don't know, I don't know if I pull this off or not, but I feel fluent in, in uh, like, uh, you know, bro culture and fluent in, you know, like I've, I've, I've gone down that spiritual
1: route too. And, um, well, you I've, recognize when the spiritual route is legitimate and when the spiritual route is like a ruse as well. Oh, like yeah. sometimes even the spiritual route is just something that someone has plugged themselves into to try to find some meaning. Exactly. But meanwhile, it's not authentic. Exactly. Um, well, so, how are you doing this? If you don't mind me interrupting, like what you when you so you're you're planning on taking guys like say say if I'm that 35 year old guy that works in an insurance company for example, and I'm just yeah. fucked up and yeah. I just I'm going crazy, man. I need to do something. Hey, this seems interesting to me. Yeah. Wilderness therapy. What does it mean, Dan Doty? What does that mean? How do
0: I get involved in this? And how do how do you get me out of this rut I'm in? Yeah, t- so three three things we're offering right now, and um, the first is a, is the wilderness route, which is a like a six day expedition. And you can sign up, pay some money, and go out in the woods and change your life. Like, pretty. Uh, we'll climb mountains. We'll go fishing. We'll um, and all along, I'll set up this uh, sense of safety and this community and this sense of uh, brotherhood. And how many guys you know? do you go with? You know, ten or twelve
1: for that. And just you and these ten people. A, a couple other leaders in my couple leaders, yeah. all right? Because so, you have to
0: deal with interpersonal disputes and all the nonsense. You're going to have to. most likely
1: encounter
0: right yeah and so i'm i'm working with uh some guides to just take care of the logistical stuff so that i can manage the the group the group Mm -hmm. stuff more that's one offering that's 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 a that's kind of our capstone offering we're doing weekend retreats and we've been doing these for the last six months and they've been just catching on fire about 30 guys at a time uh, in a lodge been doing them in the berkshires so out in the woods a couple hours from new york city 30 guys there and uh, just set up sort of an intense weekend experience of uh, Practicing the stuff and we'll hike and and do trail work and and all that stuff, but more importantly do with the The self, you know diving into yourself within the presence of other guys, which is um, Just you know, I've done therapy. I've been in therapy. I'm not a therapist, but um, When it's been very helpful like I for if you work with a good therapist that really is really good I couldn't recommend it more but there's something about this these men's retreats uh which i totally understand sound unattractive to a lot of guys it just I, sounds I like get, a lot of butt fucking yeah of course <laughs> of course that that is that is your that is the big first sort right. of response right oh um, the woods huh yeah, <laughs> yeah. tell me more we, oh i can be open in the woods yeah we what we made a, a one of our advertising videos for it and it just starts out that a guy uh stands up and says yeah i heard about a men's re- retreat and i thought first thing i thought was this is gonna be fucking awful <laughs> and so i get it but um yeah, I, th- I think we're getting further enough along where um uh, the guys that are going through this are, are literally coming back with the most positive feedback that i could i couldn't write the shit like like changing their lives and just like literally um because it's uh, you know back to that thing we're, we're offering a place for them to uh Except a part of themselves that's been offline for a long time. It's mm-hmm. a big fucking deal. It's a
1: really yeah. big yeah it's also you know? probably also a big fucking deal to just Separate from the high for a little bit and just be outside of cell phone range and be in the woods and just Take a big deep breath of fresh air and look around at the wilderness and just yeah. realize that this is this is reality as well And you're you've been plugged into this civilization reality this mm-hmm. this city this urban Environment, which is entirely unnatural, and has only been a real thing for the past couple hundred years—like mm-hmm. literally didn't exist for the gigantic swath of humanity that that
0: existed before that. Yeah, I think that swath it, is that the right word there? Not really. I think it does a couple <laughs> deep things. It, it lights up this this um, this neurobiology that that of us as social animals. I think it it goes back to um, more of a tribal sense of living too. It's it's like all of a sudden you you went from being isolated and lonely to having 30 dudes who would honestly fucking do anything for you in that moment. And I got a buddy, a good buddy, is a returned special forces um operator and he he sits in my men's group in Bozeman with me and uh really struggled with coming home and then found our group and within a month his life was back on track. Like wow. like just killing it, man. Just like kicking ass. And, you know, I mean, there is a connection between, now I wouldn't say the general military, but the special forces. You know, you read books and hear about the, the aspect of brotherhood and how they're there for each other. You know, this is definitely a very different venue, but the, I think the bond and connection that that, that is created out of it is, um, and this is, you know, from, from his mouth too, is he, it's, he went, you know, I don't know how many years, Several years in the special forces w- living with in close connection to guys got thrown home was all of a sudden isolated and they came into our group and just had this this uh Closeness again, and it just bam just like back to back to killing it Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's I Mean I'm very aware. I mean it's I've been scared to start speaking about this for years, man I mean it's very uh to me even I look at advertising for similar men's programs and things like that. It's just so turned off. I'm like, oh, right. God. It just seems
1: weird. <laughs> it does But, but I seem think weird. people need resets. You need some sort of reset. And we've talked about this before about we've both experienced those resets through psychedelics. Yeah. Or, or through these hunting trips, you know, and these yeah. wilderness trips. Like, but I think people get caught up in the momentum of their daily existence and all the requirements of that daily existence. And they become overwhelming. You know like we were talking about like the your lease that you have on your car, or your mortgage that you have on your house, and the credit card bills that keep coming in, your student loans you need to eventually get to and blah it's a fucking overwhelming grind. Yeah and sometimes people need something that removes them entirely from it for a certain amount of time that allows you just the fresh air, yeah. the, the, like not, not just literal fresh air, but uh, the metaphorical fresh air of uh, allowing you to just separate from the, the, all these weird influences and all this weird energy and momentum, the momentum of your the life that you've created or that's been created for you that you're sort of trapped in. Yeah.
0: Yeah, man. I'm, I, so that reset thing. I mean, I. I, I think I, a warning is that if you start getting a reset, I mean, from my own experience, I need it pretty regularly. Yeah, you know. So the, actually, the biggest uh, goal of of this of every man, the organization I founded, is to our goal is to get a million guys in men's groups because that is the same, and, and it happens. So this last retreat had thirty guys show up. Um, about 20 of them wanted to immediately get into a, a weekly group to, to basically continually and regularly experience the same thing. It, well, it's like a hit. You know? Well, there's like, a thing, too, about
1: men uh, in this culture where there's not a lot of sympathy towards men that are struggling. No. It seems like there's this thought that men are the patriarchy and we're dominating the world and we're almost like subhuman. We're responsible for all these issues. So men with issues like, oh, cry me a fucking river. What about women with issues? What about trans people with issues? What about gay people with issues? What about black? Oh, Jesus Christ. Like a, a regular white guy with issues. Like your issues are bullshit. We can't, like, but I, it doesn't just, matter. You no, are, yeah. you are. You can't change the fact that you're yeah. a white guy. So if you're a white guy with problems, nobody gets... A fuck.
0: Can't they see that it all connects, though? No, they
1: Can't don't. Can't they see that an unhappy white guy
0: makes everybody else unhappy too? What yeah, the no, fuck, man? It,
1: they don't because it, it's not convenient for their narrative. The sure, narrative is that sure. you're responsible for all the problems in the world, even though you're just Dan Doty from Bozeman, Montana. You know, it's,
0: no, I get it, but it's it's so. I mean, that's one of the most powerful. So, uh, the podcast that I'm launching is a self improvement podcast for guys, but instead of going to experts and saying, Hey, you know, what's the best morning routine that you can do designing a routine or whatever. I'm I'm talking to regular guys and and asking them to share, you know, more vulnerably than they would normally would, because that's what happens in these scenarios is that we learn from each other, just as simple human fucking beings. Mm -hmm. We're just like, you know, like one guy might share that he's having trouble with his son, for example, or with his kid, he doesn't know how to do it. And, you know, like, no matter, I don't care. Like a bunch of other guys will say, like, "Holy shit! I thought I was the only one feeling." That. Right? You know, and it's just all of a sudden, you and it's back to this isolation thing. You think that you're, we all think we're fucking special, right? Mm-hmm. We all think that we're so unique. And the actual, if we actually took the time to connect with one another, we'd be like, oh, wow, we have a lot. In, like, and, and just that, just that is enough to uh, drastically change somebody's day and or week or what's life. What's motivating right?
1: you to venture off? Because you were working for 0.0's big production company to make yeah. you know, Meat Eater and Anthony Bourdain's show and yeah. all these different shows. What's motivating you to step away from that and
0: start doing this? This is what I've always wanted to do, and this is what I've been What passionate. What compels you? I want to help guys. Yeah, and, and, uh, yeah I just, I, and I know that I can you know, even if it's just one guy, whatever it is, but working out there with these kids and seeing all of this, it just it just left me with the, the deepest, deepest um, satisfaction, fulfillment, satisfaction, but also a sense of purpose. It's like mm. and then I tell you what, man, I had a, I had a boy, I had a son last year and when he came out and there was something inside me that said, if you don't do if you don't act on what you know you can bring, fuck you, fuck it. Like, this is your kid, like, uh, like there is, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm also, you know, I was born a, a fairly sensitive, I could feel, I was born a sensitive kid, right? I could feel other people's pain. And when I'm, you know, working with these kids and now these men, I mean, I don't know. I want, I want good for people, right? I want good for you. I want good for my family and I want good for, I I don't know. I feel connected and I, and I want to. Do what I can no, to, it's an it's you know, a noble purpose
1: yeah. I'm just curious about like what I mean you you have a very promising career and a lucrative career with 0.0 so for you to leave
0: that it has to be like a really compelling sort of a pull yeah I mean that job and that career was an amazing wild ride and in uh, some ways felt like a you know a temporary sidebar from what I'm really meant to do you know I've been I've been writing for a long time and um Yeah, I I think that uh, whatever this thing is that I'm doing, it it chose me somehow. Mm -hmm. Or, or, I don't know, maybe that's, I don't know if that's true or not. But I I don't know how long can you ignore the thing inside you that screams at you that says, you have to do this, you have to do this, or you want to do this? Yeah, well, you you shouldn't. Yeah. You definitely
1: shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously beneficial, and it's obviously something you're compelled to do, and it's obviously something that you feel like is very fulfilling. So, why ignore it? So when do you start this podcast it's out it's out, it's out. what's it's it out. called? It's called the everyman podcast the everyman podcast Yeah E V R Y M A N. What about chicks? No fuck off fuck off chicks. You got your own you got Oprah. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I know I mean, that's a
0: good question. I, I don't think it's uh, why uh, why'd you spell it that way? Confusing because, the shit out of people well because the full one was like a lot of money or wasn't available the website oh. It was just a practicality thing Okay. Yeah. E v e r y m a n was uh, not. E v r y so e v r y folks e v r y man
1: podcast. How many episodes do you have out? Two now,
0: and then yeah, two and right now. Are you doing them every week? Like how are you doing it? I'm gonna try. I'll probably be uh, every two weeks to start, and then I'm um, uh, just gotta get in the swing.
1: You're on iTunes. Yeah, the whole deal. On iTunes. All that jazz. Yeah. It's beautiful man. Yeah. All right. Let's wrap it up. So cool. uh, that's awesome. It's awesome that it's out there. It's awesome that uh, people can get a hold of it. I always love talking to you, brother. So let's do this again. Yeah, brother. Thank you. All right, Appreciate thanks. it. Dan yeah, Doty, man. ladies and gentlemen, Everyman Podcast. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Thaddeus Russell. See ya. <laughs>